just last night I had to apologize to my whole family for not being a very kind mother. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> lost my patience, um, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to work 15 hour days. I'm trying to keep some kind of structure and schedule, keep the house clean, make sure that my kids are accessing um, their own learning. And I'm not, I'm not doing it all very well. That was Amy Fast. Um, I had a chance to interview Amy. And uh, I just want to say, <laughs> as much as that uh, little take sounds like uh, Amy doesn't have it all together, I think I, I share that with you because it speaks to her own uh, humility and vulnerability as a very, very uh, respected leader in education. She's an author. She's a principal. She's a mother. And uh, I've known Amy online for a number of years. And so I was very, very excited when she agreed to uh, chat with me. So uh, in the podcast, she's going to share a little bit about uh, the things that she's doing and uh, the challenges that she's facing. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Amy. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, another uh, privilege of mine to interview people that I respect and admire and have never had a chance to connect. Amy Fast is somebody who uh, I've known online for a number of years, but I've never actually had uh, even a conversation. And we just finished saying that uh, uh, she's on the list of people I really want to meet someday. I'm not counting this as the meeting time, so uh, it's uh, the best we can do for now. But uh, anyway, Amy, would you just please do a quick introduction of yourself, and then uh, let's just get in chatting here. Sure, yeah. So um, Amy Fast, and I am a first-year principal in McMinnville, Oregon. Um, it's funny because my first year, I, funny might be not the correct word, but my first year as a teacher my very first week of my first year was September 11th, uh, 2001. So I kind of entered this profession during um, a week of great crisis for our country, of course. And now my first year as principal, here we are in a global pandemic. So um, it's been quite the, quite the journey. I was a elementary teacher actually for 10 years. I taught fourth and fifth grade. And then I was an instructional coach um, for five years and I coached teachers at the elementary and middle school level an assistant principal at the high school level then for four and here I am as a principal of that same high school so I've kind of seen the whole uh, k-12 spectrum um, a huge um, advocate for public education um, and that's that's kind of my jam yeah, and again, for those of you who don't know Amy, which I can't believe there would be people who wouldn't know you, but let's just say, let's just say there are. Um, she is, uh, she is a tremendous follow uh, on Twitter, and uh, really, again, this is sort of where uh, I think we we have a kindred spirit in sort of our heart for uh, for the really the what matters conversations in education, and then we're in a time really where we're actually, um, I think, having to ask those questions and seeing and, and finding out for ourselves what really matters. Um, one of the, my, my, always my initial questions for people, and, and again, I'm trying to get people from different parts of the world and different states, and so, uh, you know, give me the Oregon experience in terms of what are teachers being asked to do during the crisis right now? What's, what's their, their mandate uh, for the next few weeks, months moving forward? 
Sure. So um, we, our school, the last day of school for us was March 13th, and for uh, we had a, a premature spring break, um, and then an actual week of what was to be our spring break. And then we, uh, the guidance from the Oregon Department of Education when we returned from that break was that we were going to um, engage in remote learning opportunities uh, for students. Um, and the plan was to return to school on the 28th of April. And so students could choose to take advantage of those opportunities or choose not to, but basically teachers would be tasked with pushing out some sort of remote opportunities. And then, of course, you know, administrators stay up all night trying to put together what that might look like and then at midnight, uh, right, the day after we push out the plan for that ODE, Oregon Department of Education comes out with, just kidding, we are now going to be doing um, legit distance learning for all, uh, which means, of course, now we're um, making sure that we're providing uh, faith to our students in special education, uh, make sure that we're providing some sort of credit earning opportunities at the middle and high level, and um, of course, um, as we uh, should be even during the remote learning, uh, ensure that we're able to provide uh, equity of access to um, that online um, or paper packet material um, for all students. So teachers kind of had some professional whiplash going on for the last couple of weeks of we're doing this, just kidding, we're doing this, just kidding, we're doing this. And the, the tricky part is we have to be acting fast on behalf of our students to ensure that they're um, getting at the very minimum the relational supports that so many of them count on. We're a high poverty school district um, and those connections with teachers just can't be uh, overstated. Um, and, and yet uh, we're oftentimes uh, pushing out that, um, that instruction, that teaching without um, knowing what the guidance is yet. So, we have a, at our high school, we're a pretty comprehensive high school. We have 2,200 students, 17 career pathways, like 50 college credit classes, dual credit classes. Um, so the, the real tricky part for our admin team has been kind of teasing apart, you know, what, is, what does fabrication look like right now? What does it mean that we're giving pass in complete grades to ninth through 12th graders? Um, for high school credit, but we're still doing A through F for college credit. So all the, the interesting part is the, the school part is so much trickier than the education part, which is, which is ironic to even have to tease those two words apart, I think. But we get, where we get hung up and where we get kind of clunky is in the school piece. When we drill down to just what does it mean to get a quality and give a quality education, it becomes so much more simple. So that's what I keep trying to bring us back to is let's forget all the, the game of school for a sec. Like let, let me worry about that. Let our admin team kind of tease that apart with the Oregon Department of Education. As teachers, let's just get back to the foundation of what does it mean to provide students with a quality education. And that's where I think some of the, some of the burden has come off their shoulders a little bit. Well, and, and again, I think you've done a nice job of sort of helping me understand. And then this is where I, everybody's sort of facing the edicts from the on high people. So in your case, the Department of Oregon Education. Uh, but then you play and your team and your administration team play such a significant role in filtering and messaging that to teachers because you're, you are their first line of tell us what to do, what's this supposed to look like. So can you be specific around... 
you know, how you've messaged this to teachers, again, you've outlined the idea of, uh, let's talk about what learning is, what an education is outside of the parameters that the school part has, but what have you tried to do to message to help teachers feel better equipped and better prepared to do their job? Right. Well, I think always um, with messaging, it's important first for us as admin to be vulnerable. And when we don't know what's happening or we're struggling or we're losing sleep or we're trying to figure out, be, be honest about that um, with them. Every, every Sunday prior to this, I always put out um, an, a messaging called the Grizzly News. It's just the most so that teachers can prepare for the week. And in that, I have um, what's called a mindset moment. And I just, um, I just either share things that are on my mind or do a little storytelling. But um, basically, uh, to frame it all, I talked a lot about how, um, and I think you've probably seen some of this out there, especially on Twitter, but um, I always say, I quote the Gallup research that, you know, hope is a better predictor of success than a student's SAT score, their GPA, their standardized test score. So really during this time more than ever, our role is to be ambassadors of hope. So I talk a lot about um, one, uh, the importance of maintain, uh, maintaining and investing in that relational capacity we have with students. So our first, I think, I think focusing on putting one foot in front of the other instead of going full-fledged like distance learning right out of the gate was something that we did that was successful. So this first week, we're going to all look at our fourth period rosters and we're just going to focus on touching base with all of those families. And we're going to check to see how they're doing, what's going on in their lives that they might be feeling overwhelmed with right now. How can we as a school support that, whether that's with providing meals, whether that's with making sure they're signed up to get a Chromebook or a hotspot. Um, it's basically getting the families a sec to breathe and, you know, see that we're, we're going to spend a little time on the front end just preparing them for what's coming with this learning so that, um, A, they're not overwhelmed, and then B, teachers can just focus on um, giving that relationship uh, with those families dialed um, so the families know that they are a support and that our staff understand who has access to what so that uh, we can work to get them what they need. That was just the very... Um, first step. And what's amazing is um, no disrespect at all to high school teachers, but I think when they have some of them 200 students or whatever, they're not always as well versed with um, interfacing with families sure. on a regular basis as elementary teachers sometimes are who have 25 in their class or 30 in their class. Um, so it was, a, it was so inspiring to hear what um, our teachers experiences were with touching base with those families um was and so there's so many teachers that came away with a heightened empathy for what our students yeah. are dealing with in their lives and you know those students have likely been dealing with those life events or family circumstances you know for quite a while but we just didn't really know um because we were in the daily grind of school so there was um there was that piece that i think was really beneficial and then the next step was um, to try to work in teams to, um, to plan either course-alike um, activities or, or lessons or engaging um, plans for their families for the next week or interdisciplinary um, ideas. And I think that was also something that was challenging for our staff because we have so many singletons, so many teachers. I think we have 
50 some teachers who teach things that no one else in the school teaches. And so their experience with collaborating with um, their colleagues was limited. Of course, they talk about instructional strategies and whatnot during the year, but to really um, set aside like here's my here's my standards I need to get through and here's the tasks we have coming up and really focus on like how can we combine our expertise and our and our care for students to to put something out there that really is of value um, for families right now. And I think that the 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 learning curve for them on that was a little steep, but also what they have done these past few weeks is gonna forever change. I think the way in which we collaborate, especially at the high school level. Yeah, I mean, those are those are the, the what a, what a picture you paint there uh, of the opportunities for. And again, I think high school teachers sometimes get a bad rap for being too content focused. But I mean, it's part of it's just the structure when you like right. you say you have 200 people. I can't have relationships with 200 kids the way that an elementary teacher right. can have a relationship with 25 kids that they're with all day long, right? So I mean, it's, it's not a fair comparison. So that's, but I mean, what an opportunity. So what about you? Uh, can you share, because you've had to do this same thing with your staff. Now, mind you, as a staff, you know, you're going to know your staff probably better than they would know these 200, because uh, you don't have 200 people to have to manage. But what have you learned in terms of the empathy that you maybe, you don't have to, and I'm not, without revealing anything, you know, obviously personal, but just, in general, thinking about, wow, it helped me understand my staff in a way I didn't maybe get before. So what have you mm -hmm. learned from, as a leader? Yeah, well, so I, I actually ha have 200 staff. Um, yes. So I think, what I've, I think what I've learned the most is um, how incredibly important it is to be, like when I think about being in the building, I kick myself for the amount of times I skirted the the visibility priority to get stuff done, to get my to-do list done in my office. And I knew better. I always you hear about it all the time and ad, you know, in admin training and from mentors and whatever, but the it's no joke the to-do list in this role. It just is it's forever growing and it it weighs on me when it's when it's not getting done because I'm a person who likes to be efficient. But um, the biggest challenge for me has been um being quote unquote visible or present for not just for all staff but for each and every staff member so that they feel seen during this time and they feel supported and so i think um i took for granted um i i think i took i think i expected a higher level of comfort with some of our tech platforms than people were actually feeling um, at the time we moved to distance learning. And so the, the grace that we are extending our staff right now is so, it's so crucial. Having them feel vulnerable enough to say, I've never, I've never gotten on a Google Classroom. I don't know how to do that. You know what I mean? Or um, I, I don't feel comfortable being on video. I have, you know, some, some of my own um, concerns about that, that, that make me uncomfortable and really really hearing that and being willing to problem solve with them and um, make sure that they understand that there's there's no judgment there's no evaluation component of this there's just support and um, you know I'm there, I've got some insecurities during this time too obviously as a first year principal I'm like how do I pull off graduation how do I make sure you know these these 
compliance-based measures are being taken care of with the Department of Education, all, all these things. But my, my role right now, I'm finding, and I always believe this to be my role before, is really the, the chief storyteller. So my job is to highlight the greatness that's happening right now, and not just greatness in terms of, you know, instructional technology or, or even, um, even staff that are um, putting themselves out there and reaching out to families, but just the greatness in terms of people's mindsets and the ability to be flexible and give themselves grace and roll with the punches. I mean, I just want to keep highlighting that which I think matters most during this time, both mindset and skill set. And that means, you know, painting the picture for staff of uh, the things that almost bring me to tears, the people collaborating who didn't even talk in the halls before, you know, the, the people trying and failing on, you know, these Google platforms, the, the failing forward piece is just, it's cool that we have staff members who are 60 years old, I mean, not that that's old, but who, have, who are on their last year are going to retire in June and for the first time ever are getting in a Google Classroom. It just makes me want to cry. That's what it means to be a learner and they're modeling for that for the students. So I think highlighting that for, for our staff and our um, highlighting uh, the greatness I'm seeing um, from them and our students to our whole community, I think is my primary role right now. Well, and again, you do a tremendous job of telling those stories and, and I, I often highlight and share uh, the stories that you share because you, you do a great job of that. So uh, kudos to you and continue to do that. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, you're also a mother of uh, children uh, who are going through this uh, as well. Can you talk about, just as from a parent's perspective, what's this like? And, and you can, you know, juggling both of these things of, of, of trying to do this thing from a parent perspective as well, because I'm sure that adds to the empathy uh, uh, <laughs> capacity quite a bit. Well, it's great timing for that question because just last night I had to apologize to my whole family for not being a very kind mother. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> lost my patience, um, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to work 15 hour days. I'm trying to keep some kind of structure and schedule, keep the house clean, make sure that my kids are accessing um, their own learning. And I'm not, I'm not doing it all very well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not balancing it very well and and so it takes its toll and I you know my, my husband's a great help but you know he's trying to work right now as well and it's just it's a it's a total um it's a total struggle so I think <clears throat> for me I'm really bad when it comes to I, I you know I'm a I'm a I was diagnosed with as being a perfectionist when I was a teenager and I I actually quit going to therapy because I said, I'm not a perfectionist. I couldn't be. I'm, I'm perfect. I couldn't have that, <laughs> that diagnosis, um, which is, you know, kind of a joke. But at the same time, I, I'm someone who empathizes with people who are struggling right now because I'm really hard on myself and I'm, I'm not pulling it all off. I'm not doing it all well. And I think what my, um, what my kids are learning right now is, um, Ironically, even though we're all quarantined together, they're learning a lot of independence during this remote learning time. You know, I think, and I think there's, there's value um, in that. You know, I was on a conference call and my, my son was trying to get on a Zoom and I couldn't help him because I was on my own call. And, you know, he has to troubleshoot. He has to problem solve. He has to read the directions. He's got to reach out to his teacher via email. Through, and, he, and he did. And sometimes, you know, 
parents or teachers, we swoop in to help and maybe maybe it's that, um, you know, leaning into that struggle and having to be independent that's going to benefit them in the long run. But I, I have to remind myself, as a, I'm such a better educator than I am a parent. I sometimes have to take my parent hat and say, like, what would the Amy who's a principal and teacher say to the Amy who's a parent right now? And I, I get so high-centered on, you know, making sure my kids um, aren't falling behind in their classes and they have the master of the standards they need to be successful next year. And then I realize as a, as a principal, that's not the advice I'm giving the parents in our community right now. It's not the advice I'm giving um, the teachers. You know, I just want, I want people to harness and leverage this time to really capitalize on the things that matter most. And as a parent, I'm sometimes not doing that. And so yeah. I think it's just constantly reflecting on, um, am I walking my talk as a parent um, that I do as an educator? And sometimes I'm not. And that's the, that's the biggest rub for me right now. And I think um, I'm going to grow from this experience personally, probably even more than I um, am growing professionally, because there was a little bit of a disconnect between the professional Amy and then the personal Amy. And I think that I'm going to learn a lot about how to invest in my own health during this time. You know, I've had to, I started going for runs again, which I had neglected since I became an administrator, um, trying to take much better care of myself in terms of how I'm eating, because I'm finding if I don't, I'm just going to, I'm just not going to make it. You know what I mean? Not to be dramatic, yeah. but I just, it's, it's, it's too hard to balance it all right now. Mm -hmm. No, and what a, what a great, Thing to be able to share back to your staff to your parents to students around like yeah like this is like here's how I'm struggling and you're faced with the realities that you know every parent in your in your school is facing or many of them for sure are facing so uh, being I love your reflection around that one that's such a powerful thing just a couple more questions before we we close uh, what you, you know you've got this sort of somewhat temporary um, uh, plan in place of moving forward uh, as you sort of project. And again, I, I'm, I'm thinking this beyond, beyond, um, you know, this school year and you're going to, you know, you mentioned graduation as being like, how's that even going to work kind of thing. But like, what challenges do you concern you most moving forward? If this has any kind of length uh, beyond just this, what we're thinking it was a temporary thing. What, what are you kind of concerned about? Like, I'm not sure we're going to be able to solve this or this is the part that kind of keeps me up at night. Right. Well, I think, um, you know, the, there's obviously logistical things like forecasting kids for next year's classes and graduation and all those, all those pieces are really keeping me up at night, but there's also a few other things that we've just kind of swept under the rug that I don't think we can keep sweeping under the rug after this, like our grading practices, um, homework, you know, things that we just kind of, not intentionally turn the blind eye to, but um, definitely were made more transparent and the curtain was pulled back on by this whole pandemic. Like we talk about, we can't um, penalize a student via the grade they get based on, um, you know, their access of, um, to technology at, at home. But, you know, we often ask students to do homework that requires technology and that homework then impacts their grade so I think and, and grading is a hot button topic at the high school level as a homework so I think um, I that, that's one piece um, I'm not I'm not losing sleep on it right now but I'm I know we'll have to be a discussion moving forward yeah. um, 
you know, whether whenever we um, return to school as usual. Uh, the other piece is I think I've, you know, I always, I always discuss the importance of having this kind of well-rounded education. And what I mean by that is, especially at the high school level, like the importance of extracurriculars and athletics and um, having a niche for all students uh, to be able to find something they're passionate about and really invest in that and have that sense of purpose. And when you drill school down to like the bare bones of the most essential teaching and learning, it, you really realize how important um, those other parts of school are. And so I, I'm extremely worried about the impact um, on athletics. I'm extremely worried about the impact on clubs, on dances, on assemblies, because um, all of those parts of school, um, albeit super traditional, are, are, they exist for a reason. And those traditions are often what um, keep kids' heads in the game and make them feel like a significant part of it all and get them excited for the next thing coming um, you know, down the pipeline for them during the school year. So I worry about losing some of those parts of school that really make it fun and special um, for kids. I think that's really weighing on me right now. I, I didn't, you know, I, that's A, one of the parts I love about being a high school principal, and B, I also didn't realize how much I would miss just chatting with kids at a basketball game, or, I mean, I, I dread chaperoning dances, dread it, and I would give anything right now to have a school. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, no, it, uh, that's the, I, that I have, no one's uh, articulated that to me, and that's a really, I, I need to think about that more, because there's so much in there around that, uh, I mean, just the idea of, uh, and, and one of my colleagues wrote a blog post about, I miss the chit chat, right, like, I miss just the because because somebody also said, oh, I, we've been more efficient now. Like we're like technology has this efficiency, which is great. But that chit chat, that all that banter, that stuff that seems superfluous, that seems like minutia sometimes, right. is is at its core it's the really human the experience, right? And yeah. and and all of these structures in place um, are built around that kind of thing. So, last question: What's your hope? What's your hope that comes out of this? It says, you know what? For all of this, this is what I hope lingers and lasts beyond. So all my work um, has been around the purpose of education. And I think we've had the purpose of education wrong for quite a while. My hope is that we come together to reevaluate what is the purpose of schools? What is the purpose of education and realize that there was so much more to it than just um, academic skills and knowledge. And while uh, if I cannot, I, I really don't want to discredit the importance of academic skills and knowledge. I'm a, I, I, I'm a huge proponent of the highest expectations for students in that realm. It is not the only realm that we should be addressing in schools. And I, I talk a lot about how for me, I envision the purpose of schools as this triple Venn diagram um, and this with the sweet spot being right in the middle um, and that being our, the purpose of a public education. But one of those circles is absolutely academic skills and knowledge. Another circle is those foundational schools or skills, sorry, um, you know, where people refer to as SEL or, or building character, um, those professional skills. 
um, that are harder, harder to measure, but not um, impossible, like teamwork and leadership and um, communication, all those pieces. And then the last circle being a student's intrinsic drive, um, really that, that want uh, to learn and that motivation. And, and I, I really envision the sweet spot of our purpose being right in the middle of those three things. And so um, my hope is at the end of this experience, we take a breath and we, before we just jump right back into, you know, the metrics that we've had and the way in which uh, we, we go about school, we look about, we look at, you know, what is the, the greatest purpose that will leverage the most success and fulfillment for students and for society? And then how do we reimagine uh, what that could mean, both in terms of our metrics and in terms of our practices in schools moving forward? Well, um, the good news is for me is that people like you will, I know, help see that those conversations are had. And, and I think collectively as a, as a, as a profession, I'm, I'm hopeful that people are seeing the same things and, and taking that pause time. Um, and maybe just even having the summer break and then thinking, articulating and, and, and thinking through these ideas will enable us to re-engage them, um, in a really purposeful way come, come fall. So thank you so much for doing this. I know with your busy 15 hour day and, 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 and the str and the bad parenting that you've, you've, <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't want to call you out, uh, uh, that, that you've taken time to do this, which maybe you shouldn't have done. So anyway, I, I just thank you so much for doing this. And I really value your, uh, your contributions to, to uh, my own learning through Twitter. And so uh, your storytelling skills uh, are, uh, exemplary and I, I congratulate you for all the work you've done and, and wish you well. Well thank you. Thanks this is actually while. very helpful to me because it grounds me in my why and helps me to reflect and uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you in person. So, yeah we'll do this you. we'll do this in another way at some point hopefully soon. For sure. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye.